This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. Every child deserves a team. That's the belief behind Jigsaw Learning, a proud sponsor of the B Podcast Network. And it's why the company, founded by educators Curtis and Lorna Hewson, focuses on ensuring success for all learners through collaborative response, an approach in which every child is supported by a team. Through customized professional learning that incorporates workshops, leadership development, online learning opportunities, and more, Jigsaw Learning can guide you every step of the way to create a plan to maximize the collective capacity in your schools. Learn more at jigsawlearning.ca. TL Talk Radio, Season 4, Episode 38. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 38 of TL Talk Radio, a regular podcast with Lynn Funy-Hatton and Randy Ziganfus, where our goal is to engage you in learning, motivate you to share your work, and inspire you to lead for the change we need in schools for the digital age. I'm Randy Ziganfus. And I'm Lynn Funy-Hatton. Good morning, Randy. Good morning. So today we're speaking with attorney Aaron Gilsbach and Cesar Bocanegra, Chief Operating Officer of DonorsChoose.org. Our listeners may remember we spoke with Aaron in Season 4, Episode 23. And today, Aaron's back to talk with us about crowdfunding and some of the legal considerations for educators as these kinds of sites become more popular. An experienced speaker and writer at the state and national levels on current trends and important issues regarding school law and education, and a highly skilled professional development expert, Aaron Gilsbach is the executive director at EdLaw Interactive, a professional development company that provides high-quality live and web-based professional education programs in the area of school law to educators and school leaders. She represents schools as an attorney with the Pennsylvania law firm Steckel & Stop. And Cesar Bocanegra of DonorsChoose.org. He's the COO. Cesar and his team vet thousands of projects per month and then facilitate the purchase and delivery of materials to classrooms across the country. In addition to office management and several IT functions, Cesar also manages the organization's human capital, customer relations, and donor appreciation efforts. Prior to joining DonorsChoose.org, Cesar spent 11 years with AT&T in various roles, including sales and finance. He was the national president of HISPA, a nonprofit organization focused on developing Hispanic youth. So welcome to the show, Aaron and Cesar. Thank you for having us. This is 
This is going to be a fun topic, and Aaron has sort of gotten us started on a number of legal issue episodes. So uh, a lot of our schools, a lot of schools nationally are using um, crowdfunding sources like Donors Choose, and it's going to be fun to hear what are some of those legal implications and also just to get a better understanding of of what crowdfunding is. So let's start with that, actually. Um, What is crowdfunding, and why is it becoming so popular with educators? Uh, Thank you, Randy and Lynn, for having us on the show. Uh, Crowdfunding is a practice that we've seen happen more and more. It's a practice of funding a single project or a venture, and it's by raising many small amounts of money from a large number of people, and it's typically done via the internet. Uh, DonorsShoes.org was created with crowdfunding as its model to help teachers across the country. So specifically, donors choose. How did how did this get started? I think it's been around for for quite some time. And what what was it that they were trying to? What problem were they trying to address? Yes, donorschoose.org was started back in two thousand. This is before Twitter, Facebook, uh, Kickstarter, you name it. Uh, in fact, many people place uh, Charles Best, the founder of donorschoose.org, as the founder of the crowdfunding movement. Uh, Charles was uh, a teacher, a public school teacher in the Bronx. It's uh, it created DonorsChoose.org, a site by teachers for teachers, and it's specifically focused on the educational segment, on the public educational segment at uh, in the United States. And DonorsChoose.org started because Charles, when he was teaching at public school, he saw firsthand the differences between uh, what private schools get and what public schools do not get. And he knew that there was people in his network that wanted to help out, but didn't have a way or a method to help out. And so he designed, he developed a, a website on the back of a napkin and said, hey, I want to create a website that connects people that are trying to help out public school classrooms with teachers that have ideas that just can't make the ideas happen, make the ideas a reality because they didn't have the budget. Mm-hmm. And so he hired a development team. Uh, I think he charged, uh, they charged him $2,000 to create the first iteration of the DonorsChoose.org website. Mm-hmm. This was tw- uh, 18 years ago. So can you give us an example of one of the projects that um, people might see on DonorsChoose.org, something teachers might be asking for, um, a project that you think has been particularly successful, um, just anything that comes to mind? Yes, the projects range from very basic supplies like pencils, paper, books, to more um, elaborate and intensive resources such as uh, lab equipment, musical instruments, uh, class trips, a field trip to the museum. We've had we've seen projects uh, that are asking uh, for a, a horse skeleton to help uh, in the biology class, and we've seen uh, teachers request a field trip to the, for the students to visit um, memorials of the Holocaust. And so we've seen projects get funded uh, from the basic project of costing $400 to a more elaborate project costing thousands of dollars. And how many of those projects do you think get fully funded? Currently, about 70% of our projects get fully funded, wow. which is one of the big differentiators that we have versus other websites, mm-hmm. we, other crowdfunding websites. We, we are very successful uh, when, when teachers post a project. About 78% of public schools in America have used us, have posted mm-hmm. a project on donorschoose.org. 
And of the of the ones that people teachers post, seventy percent of them get funded. So, in terms of like the number of postings per year, how many how many people go through this system? Yeah, we we last year we had over two hundred thousand projects getting funded. Wow! wow. Uh, over the last eighteen years, we've raised over six hundred and eighty million dollars. Wow! And we've helped. Uh, fund over 1.1 million projects, which have helped over 27 million students. Very interesting. So Aaron, let's shift over to, you know, we have this this fabulous resource of bringing people together to support a cause, whether it's basic supplies or field trips or lab equipment or even the horse skeleton that Cesar mentioned. You know, what are the legal considera- considerations for teachers and leaders to think about as they start to use these sites, uh, such as Donors Choose, yeah, there there are some uh, you know a, a number of legal considerations, and I, I actually really like this topic because um, even though there are some very concrete, specific legal issues that might pose liability or even um, you know compliance issues for schools, they're very very. Um, manageable if schools take a proactive approach. So, you know, I I ended up um, kind of stumbling across this issue uh, when I did a, I'm on the board of directors of the National School Parts Association's Council of School Attorneys, and I had done a little bit of research for them on, um, you know, creative revenue streaming sources and what are schools out, what are schools doing to raise revenue? And so that's you know, sort of how I, I fell into um, really analyzing this project because this was one of those areas where, um, you know, I found that schools were using it uh, to a much greater extent than I think even their administrators were aware mm-hmm. to a much greater extent. I mean, as, as you heard, some of those statistics are phenomenal. They, um, you know, the the education sector is raising a lot of money in a time where funding is critical at critical lows and so you know that was one of those areas and i think it was consistent with what i found in that creative revenue streaming study um was that um you know the more kind of the more creative the approach got from the school end the less likely they were to bring it to the attention of their legal counsel and i think that's um, you know, that's not surprising because, first of all, I'm not sure that it was immediately obvious um, what some of the legal implications were. But also, I mean, the the fact that, you know, schools need to turn to this in these types of funding means that there isn't as much funding. So um, there is that catch-22, you know, do you, do you reach out to the attorney that, you know, and spend money on that? Um, versus um, go ahead and, and do it and then you'll know, see if anything happens up back end. So <laughs> yeah, and that's where, that's where I mean when I was speaking with um, you know nationwide the attorneys, um, even though I was aware of a lot of these statistics and I actually when I started looking into it, I mean I had to go all the way back. I didn't have the benefit of that that you know that preface for what is crowdfunding. So I actually had to start from scratch and, and learn um, what that was. But when I went on, um, you know, I found that there, I didn't have a single school that I represented that was not on crowdfunding. And, and most of them had a pretty substantial showing 
Um, and nationwide, I think that was true as well. But when I talked to some of my colleagues throughout the nation, um, you know, we, we really weren't even, it, it, we weren't even aware of it, you know, so it wasn't something that clients were coming to us saying, hey, what do we do? Um, but when I did go on to look at some of those postings, you know, to get to your specific question about the liability, um, you know, I found a, a number of different things, anything from um, maybe teachers posting too much information, combining information and in kids' pictures um, in a violation of FERPA. Um, I found a lot of examples of what I call the uh, successive hyperbolization um, because on these, you know, crowdfunding websites, um, you know, the individuals that show the most need, sometimes the most, the saddest, most, you know, striking story will, will garner the most um, donations. So I was finding schools, you know, the teachers who were going on there and, and putting on these sob stories about, hey, we, you know, I have uh, X number of special needs students and I can't eat their IEPs and, um, <laughs> yeah, and so I, you know, what I did was collected all of those things and some of those would be, you know, a parent's attorney's, you know, dream to <laughs> some of those things on there. And I don't know that they were necessarily completely accurate. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as someone who has represented schools in special ed cases before, um, you know, it kind of made my heart stop for a second because I was thinking, how would you get over this in, in, a, in a case? Because, um, you know, if somebody says that in a public forum in writing um, and it's your own teacher, your own witness, you really couldn't walk that back. You couldn't say, oh, well, I exaggerated that to get more money off of crowdfunding. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That those types of things, um, you know, there were other things where, um, you know, uh, teachers were asking for at the time, the new smart snack standards were just changing over such that not only could schools not, you know, things that rose to the smart snacks, uh, you know, things that didn't meet the smart snack standards, but they also um, now weren't able to even give out types of things. And so, yeah, I found things that were, you know, violating school policy and things like that. So, you know, so, but, but all of those things that, that I'm describing though, are very, very curable with a little bit of policy and procedural work on the, on the part of the district, because just having somebody, um, you know, on the administrative level, eyeball those postings before they go out, and, you know, making sure that schools are aware that, you know, this is, you know, similarly to somebody, you know, standing, selling, you know, bake sale goods on the corner, um, these people are representing the district, They're putting themselves out there as representing the district. Um, so the districts need to have a lot more control of that, what they can and can't do raising money. So thinking about either internal procedures or or a school policy um, to ensure that nothing is being posted without someone sort of taking a look at it and making sure that it's not in violation of things that you've mentioned like FERPA or uh, snack, smart snack or I can think of lots of other <laughs> lots of other possible things now that you've gotten my mind going. 
Yeah, and I mean, I think you can you can see, um, you know, where the you know, the educators might not be quite as savvy to some of those legal issues, and and we don't want them to be. We don't want them to necessarily uh -huh. print. Um, but if they have an administrator, double check uh -huh. that and look at some of those things. Um, the other thing that I that I suggest to schools is that they consider, um, you know deciding on a platform, because there are a lot of crowdfunding websites out there. Um, Donors Choose happens to have a lot of protections for schools, but you know there are other crowdfunding websites that maybe like um, GoFundMe and mm -hmm. Kickstarter, there are a whole bunch of them now um, that, that maybe don't have any protections. And it's not necessarily the platform that creates the legal issues, because um, it is, you know, at the end of the day, it's the school's responsibility to make sure that everything that's out there under their name is, you know, is going to be legally um, viable and, and good, that's not going to pose issues for the schools. But at the same time, some of these platforms are designed in a way that they provide the extra supports and they can help schools um, regulate that a little bit better and, and, you know, figure out how to um, you know, financial mismanagement is always a concern, you know, are, are these people at the end of the day going to end up with a big lump of money, you know, and, and where's that money going to go? How's it going to be used? And, you know, do we know how that works? And so there are entities out there that, um, you know, that, that actually curtail that a little bit naturally. Mm -hmm. Now, that's why the school couldn't do that, you know, by policy, the school could say, hey, any money you get goes directly to us. Um, but there are still risks to that, you know, making sure that that's actually happening mm -hmm. and things. Yeah, one of, the, one of the things we've seen, as Aaron mentioned, is uh, districts really focusing on one platform. And, and the, the school districts that we've spoken to uh, that have chosen DonorsChoose.org as a platform have chosen DonorsChoose.org because we do have a team of folks, uh, volunteers that vet every single project before it gets posted. They also, we also fulfill every project. In other words, we do not send any cash to the teacher. We will mm -hmm. ship materials to the classroom. And then the teachers have to post uh, pictures of the resources they get so that uh, the donors can actually see that the money was used as intended. Yeah, and one of the other things um, that I that I usually suggest that schools kind of rein in is um, you know, they should definitely have a policy um, that requires, and, and it can even be you know something that it requires an, an active um, sign off by the educator before they post anything, uh, making sure that those items and those um, you know whatever it is that they're getting. Uh, stays with the school, that it's not the property of the the individual who raised it. And that's, again, a very easy, quick policy fix. Um, and it's also something that, you know, again, depending on the platform, um, are they delivering it to the teacher? Are they delivering it to the school? If they deliver it directly to the building administrator, for instance, I think Donors Choose does that. Um, have, making sure that that happens so that the, the administrator is now aware that, okay, here are all these new items or, you know, whatever it is that are now the school's property, as opposed to, you know, if they go directly to the educator, the educator could conceivably say, hey, I raised this money. Uh, these are my items. If I go to the next neighboring school district, 
um, I can take them with me and use them there as well. And so schools, you know, really to protect their own interests really should have some control over how that how that works on the back end. Mm-hmm. So the big takeaway here is if you want to get involved in crowdfunding, make sure that you've got a policy and some guidelines around implementing that policy to avoid any sort of legal issues down the road. So Cesar, uh, recently DonorsChoose.org was in the news. Tell us about that. Yes, a little bit less than three weeks ago, we received a donation uh, worth $29 million from a company called Ripple. And Ripple decided that they wanted to do make every teacher's idea come true. And they funded all 35,500 projects on our site. It cleaned an entire platform <laughs> of projects, funded every single project on the site. It was uh, definitely one of the best news stories for every single teacher that had a project posted on our site. Um, as I mentioned before, of the $680 million that have been raised by DonorsShoes.org, Half of it is from uh, folks, uh, people that donate as little as $1. Uh, and f- the other half is from corporations and foundations that want to help our public education. Mm. And in this case, we had a company uh, named Ripple uh, who uses technology, blockchain technology, to uh, help facilitate a global network of financial institutions. They decided to fund every single project on the site. $29 million worth of resources going to the classroom. We, we shipped uh, resources to the classrooms, to the school address, and notified principals via email, faxes of all the inventory that's being shipped to the classroom so that the administrators actually know um, all the materials that are coming to the classroom and that they're coming and staying in the classroom. You've been busy. <laughs> I was going to say you have a, you have a lot of happy users, but I'm sure a, a lot of uh, a sudden uh, rush of work mm-hmm. there. <laughs> yes, and in fact, uh, we were worried about having zero projects on our site mm-hmm. for quite some time. And uh, less than three weeks uh, ago, this happened. And if you go to our site and try to fund a project, it's over thirty-seven thousand projects. So now there's more projects mm-hmm. than before, uh, and it's mostly because teachers, uh, word of mouth, uh, got of uh, heard the news and decided they wanted to post a project. So a real boost for DonorsChoose.org. That's correct. Yes. Wonderful. I have, um, you know, I've I've been calling that the ripple effect because. <laughs> If there is any teacher out there, I think it was, uh, what was it, two years ago, maybe Stephen Colbert did the same thing for South Carolina schools. He a lump of money and kind of spread it out amongst all of the, the um, you know, the uh, requests that were out there from South Carolina. And the more teachers find out about, I mean, the more, the more, you know, public that becomes, the more popular the crowdfunding becomes. And so, you know, I think it would, we would be hard pressed to find a, any school that is now, you know, not at least not, a, you know, that doesn't have anybody who has ever crowdfunded anything. Uh, but I think, you know, in light of this, we're going to start seeing even more. Um, so I think administrators, I frequently had administrators say, hey, we don't have to have a policy on this. We, it really doesn't affect us. 
Um, and I don't let them tell me that until they go on, you know, at least donors choose, if not a couple of other sites, because, um, you know, it's, it's happening. Mm -hmm. And the fact that somebody is telling me that it's not happening, doesn't it, that doesn't necessarily mean it's not happening. That usually means they're not aware of it, but sure. the more media attention and the more, um, you know, these types of um, really generous donations come in, the more people are aware that this is a this is a huge benefit and this is a potentially really fantastic revenue stream for schools, especially for things where there isn't funding at all right now, which are, you know, the arts and, um, you know, a lot of times it's music and, and theater and things like that. So, it, you know, there are so many great potential um, prospects for something like this, and it's already happening. You know, school administrators really need to, to be thinking about not is it happening or do I need a policy, but what should what should be in that? And as Randy said, making sure you have the policy is a takeaway. Um, another takeaway for me was being really thoughtful about which um, platform do you want to utilize in your school district and for what reasons. Um, and thinking critically about the process and, and where the funds go and um, how the platform keeps the administrators in the loop of what is happening. Um, all great questions to consider as you're developing that policy with your, with your school team. So thank you so much for joining us today, Aaron and Cesar. Uh, for our listeners to learn more about Aaron and Cesar's work, you can visit the links in the show notes, uh, edlawinteractive.com and donorschoose.org. We're actually going to be doing a webinar on May 23rd. Um, a joint webinar where we talk about some of these issues. So um, that's going to be on, well, it's definitely going to be on the Edlaw Interactive, and I think we're going to have a link on Donors Choose as well. So okay. if you if you get that link for us, we can post it in the show notes. It looks like this is going to post um, May 22nd, so timing might be really great. Each episode, we leave you with a question to think about with the idea of provoking conversation. This episode's questions. How is your school using crowdfunding sources? And have you considered any of the potential legal issues shared here today? And what other legal topics would you like to learn more about? If you've enjoyed this episode, would like to comment or check out the resources shared today, visit the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for season four, episode 38. That's all for now. We'll be back soon with more conversations featuring other innovative thought leaders. Thanks again, Aaron and Cesar. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.